right, all right, here we go. This is the NBA Dream Podcast, where RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I'm your host, Sleepy J, joined once again by NBA betting expert Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to cover the All-Star Game dunk contest, three-point contest. Also, we'll do a first-half review where we go ahead and we give all 30 teams a grade. Then what Mac and I are going to do, we're going to talk some awards, some season win totals, and to make the playoff odds. And finally, Mackenzie and I, we're going to go ahead and give you guys a second half of the season best bet Mac before we go ahead and rip and run into everything what is your favorite thing about all-star weekend it's the memories it's nostalgia you know since I was a kid there's that feeling that outside of the day-to-day NBA there's like 10 15 guys that are like legends like walking living legends that they all get together and play at the same time or participate in the same events and the old school legends are there Shaq with his camcorders there taping Vince Carter uh so yeah I have a lot of nostalgia around all-star weekend and I just had a thought uh, when you asked me this question. All the best players in the league, all the best basketballers in the world are all in one building at one time. Do we have to have like a designated survivor situation where we say like, all right, well, I mean, maybe it's Jalen Brunson. But like one great NBA player just has to be outside of the arena. Just God forbid something happens, some nuclear attack. You know, we have to keep it going. So, um, I mean, I guess Jalen Brunson's not going to be there. Kevin Durant's not going to be there. there. There will be hope in the you know prospect of a nuclear holocaust that great basketball will live on but it's just it's just all the best players in the same place at the same time that's what i love about it i love you just casting doom on all star <laughs> it's awesome i want to tell you what my favorite thing is mac honestly it's the break i get a break from like the nfl's over now nba is going to be on a break it's one you know one game the all star the all star game but i get to go ahead and take a break catch a deep breath and really focus on college basketball. So I'm not going to be able to do anything with the NBA except really, you know, update power rankings and things like that, you know, look for injuries and stuff like that coming back. But for me, it's a time for me to kind of just lock in to college basketball, get ready to go for March Madness. So I enjoy when the All-Star game comes around because it gives me the opportunity to get where I need to be, you know, for the stretch run here in college basketball. So that's my favorite thing about All-Star weekend. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I like the game three-point contest dunk contest that stuff's all fun and well but you know what we do we we do this every day for a living because this is what we do and we have to make sure that we're on top of our game otherwise we lose money other people lose money and then uh, everybody suffers for that but we're gonna go ahead we're gonna try to make you guys some money uh, with some of the picks that we're gonna give out here but mac first thing i want to do i want to jump into the eastern conference i want to do a first half of the season review i want you to go ahead give out grades For the Eastern Conference teams here, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start you out here with the Boston Celtics. Give me a grade on the Celtics first half. What do you got? Absolutely. Just to piggyback on your point, I too enjoy the break, except I don't do any college basketball. I don't do much college basketball. But last year and this year, you know, it gives me the opportunity to gear in and uh, take a 360 view and look at at these teams and uh, the situation. And the Boston Celtics, I feel like I've had pinned down uh, for a year and a half, like, when people doubted, I'm like, no, they're very good. And when they, uh, they lost a the coach, I'm like, they're going to be the same. And when people said they're a good defensive team, but they're not a good offensive team, I'm like, you're crazy. You don't watch basketball. They're a great offensive team. They might be a better defensive team last year, but they were a great offensive team. And by the way, to be a good defensive team, you have to be balanced. You have to bring it on both sides of the floor in almost every case. And I haven't really changed my opinion that much on the Celtics, which says something. No change in the power ratings after the, um, you know, since the beginning of the season. So the coach, you know, no effect. They were plus six and a half, in my opinion, versus an average team preseason. They're plus six and a half now. Uh, 
fully healthy, they'd be tied with the Suns right now for the best team in the league. And then you look at their garbage time adjusted actual point margin. It's plus 6.8. You know, I got a good beat on this team, and um, I think they keep it rocking. All right, B-plus for Boston. Your next team's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. What do you got? Also a B-plus, and I was down on this team much of the season, but 12-0 and is not something to sneeze at. I was a proponent of the of saying Chris Middleton's worth two points to the line. They played the Celtics last year in a seven-game series. On average, they lost by six points per game. They were much worse than the Celtics. Chris Middleton didn't make that big of a difference or wouldn't have if he played, uh, and that was kind of a crutch or an excuse that a lot of Bucks fans kept making. Now, looking at it, Chris Middleton comes back. You know, he was kind of in and out for a while, but once he really got going, hey, they're 12-0, and 0, and Giannis has missed a couple of games, missed most of the Bulls game, and they did keep it going. So maybe that having the full complement of pieces really does make a difference. We will see in the playoffs. I still think they're about a point worse than the Celtics, uh, but very impressive, uh, at least at least recently. So B, maybe B, you know, because the first part of the season does matter, and I do think that's reflective. Their net rating is only plus four on the season. So I'm going to give them a B, uh, but leaning towards a B plus if they, you know, hand in some extra credit assignments. All right, not bad. So Milwaukee going ahead, going to get a B grade there from McKenzie. So your next team there is going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think they're the most improved, most impressive team of the season. Uh, I give them an A minus. They are plus six net rating on the season. I only expected them to be about, you know, plus three and a half or actually plus two rather coming into the season, even though I thought the initial trade was great. It's blown away my expectations. Um, it's a perfect fit uh, where they have three great defensive players that are also good on offense. And then they have Donovan Mitchell, who's a borderline great offensive player that can, you know, survive on defense. So it's a great fit. They're matching each other's weaknesses. Um, you know, I don't know why J.B. Bickerstaff has gotten some uh, some heat recently, but um, every time he's coached the Cavs, they've killed expectations, including this year. So I think he's a pretty good coach. All right, Cleveland Cavaliers with an A- minus from McKenzie. One of the things I like most about this Cavs team is the fact that you put these five players on the floor and they just look like a like a normal, natural basketball team. It's not like they have to do anything out of the ordinary. Go out there, play your brand of basketball, Mac, and it just seems to work. Yeah, they match their roles. They fill their roles incredibly well. I think the Suns are going to be similarly once they're all together, but a very balanced team, the Cavs. So we got three teams out of the way in the East. Let me pitch it over to you with the next three teams. Philadelphia. What do you make of the Philadelphia 76ers season? What's their grade? All right, let me give Philadelphia a B right now. They are kind of who we thought they were. Nothing really special right now about Philly. I feel like they're basically just holding serve, third team in the East. Can't give them really a grade higher than this. They played Boston twice this year. They lost both of those games. I think in order to be the champ, you have to beat the champ in the East, and they haven't done that. So right now I'm going to go ahead and give them a BMAC. Yeah, they seem like they're perfectly suited for any other team in the East besides the two they have to beat, the Bucks and the Celtics. We'll see how that goes. It's funny, Doc Rivers was a favorite to be first coach fired. Now he's fourth in coach of the year. Quite a turnaround. I thought Chris Ryan summed it up well. He said, this is the most serene Philadelphia 76ers season in recent memory. Like, no big splashes, no big trades, no anger, no Ben Simmons controversy. So, B seems right to me. What about... Next team here, lots of controversy with this team over the year and a lot of changes. What do you make of the Brooklyn Nets season? All right, well, this might be this might be controversial. I'll go ahead and I'll say a BMAC. Somehow the Nets still have a team that can actually win 
despite losing three world-class players in Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden over just the last 12 months. Sure, it's been ugly in Brooklyn, but the rebuild process right now, I believe it could actually be like 10 times worse than, than it might be. The Nets are deep right now, and I think that they have enough assets, enough picks. And if they're planning on starting over now, it might be a lot better versus starting over in the offseason. So for me, I give Brooklyn a B, even though a lot of people might think that it's like an F or a D team. I agree with that. And people say, oh, but they're supposed to be championship contenders. First of all, no, they weren't. Like no one, no one had them pegged in as a championship team before the year with everything that was going on. And I think these grades have to be given the givens. It was a given. Kyrie Irving said after he was traded, after the first year, I didn't really feel like I was welcomed in Brooklyn. I was kind of angling my way out. Kevin Durant, he publicly announced for a trade request. So given the givens that they wanted out, I think they got a pretty good haul in return. B makes sense to me. I go, I might go B minus, but uh, I do agree with you that getting these assets now is going to be more beneficial to them than if they waited in the summer. Uh, what about the Miami Heat? They surprisingly made, made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. What do you make of them this year? I'm kind of a buyer of the Heat, believe it or not. I'm going to go ahead and give them an A. The amount of games that the starting five played together, it, it's really not that many. But if the Heat are still in the playoff seating right now and they're currently seventh, something has to be going well for them. Miami has had like 10 players that have missed like double-digit games. The fact that they're not inclined to get into playing right now, that's impressive to me. I'm going to go ahead and give Miami an A just for the fact that they are where they're at right now with the limited amount of star players that they've had on the floor together. So Miami, they're getting an A from me. They're five games above 500. They have like a zero net rating. So they keep winning these close, close games. There's something in the water. There's something heat culture-wise where – uh, they just, you know, squeeze more juice out of the out of the out of the apple uh, than seems humanly possible. So uh, seems kind of a good grade to me for a team five five games above five hundred. But hey, uh, there is something going on there to be bullish about, no doubt. All right, well, let's go ahead and keep on continuing on here with the Eastern Conference teams. Let me throw three more teams there at you, Mac. Let's start it out here with the New York Knicks. How are you feeling about the Knickerbockers? The New York Knicks get a B plus from me, and it's because of one thing. My man out of Chicago, Jalen Brunson, he's been a revelation, uh, especially since he didn't make the All-Star All-Star team. And I was looking through it. This is probably, I mean, the Knicks are always rumored to pick up free agents, the Big Apple, you know, most money to spend, the most famous arena in the world, Madison Square Garden. They haven't really had a good free agent going back to Allen Houston in 1999, which was a great pick, pickup. They immediately went to the finals. Uh, I'm not sure they're a finals team, but they – got an all-star for the cheap, really. You know, they didn't have to pay him a max salary. They didn't have to trade anything for him. And he is going to be uh, right there as a borderline all-star. So they get a B plus, uh, especially recently. They've been kind of hot. They've been picking it up. They are seventh in the league in net rating at plus 0.23 per game. Um, I only expected them to be about an average team. So very impressive. They get a B plus. All right. Knicks with a B plus. I'm not a fan of the Knicks by any means, but I will say one thing that the Brunson pickup was like the one thing that they've actually done right. And look, maybe they did a couple other things, but the Brunson pickup was, was huge for them. They actually did something right. So uh, I'm a fan of them right now that, that at least they're doing something that, that looks correct. Your next team, Mac, the Atlanta Hawks. What do you think? Hawks get a C minus. They've been a very consistent team prior to this year. I expect them to be about two points better than an average team. They're about one point worse, and I've downgraded them three points in my net, in my uh, power ratings 
since then. One of the bigger downgrades without uh, you know losing a player like Kevin Durant. It comes down to this. If you don't have harmony between your best player, in this case, Trey Young, or, not arguably, he's their best player, and your coach, Nate McMillan, you're never going to be able to build anything. You're never going to be able to add whenever you take two, two steps forward, you can take three steps back. And I think Young's lost a lot of credibility this year around the league. I mean, it's never really been public what kind of conflict, what kind of friction there is. But Nate McMillan's been in the, a coach, a coach in the league for 20 plus years. He was a player, a very good player for 12 years. So that's three plus decades of experience, and you never heard anything about him until this guy, this superstar, says, ah, not, not really my cup of tea. Uh, the fact that they didn't fire him, I think, says a lot. It says that everybody else in that building is like, yeah, Trey Young's kind of being a diva. And um, that's going to come to a head at some point. I'm not sure if Nate McMillan's considering retirement. I mean, he has been in the league for 35 years or so. He, he probably has enough to uh, relax and you know reflect at this point in his life. But um, I also wouldn't be shocked if they wanted to move Trey, Trey Young because whatever momentum they had when they made the Eastern Conference Finals seems to be kind of phony. Seems kind of be just, you know, luck of the draw. They got Ben Simmons and he had a mental – they faced Ben Simmons and the Sixers when he had a mental breakdown and they were able to make the Eastern Conference Finals when they really weren't that good. Really not that good this year. 20th best team by net rating. Yeah, C-. minus. All right. That might be generous. I might, I might go D+. plus. All right, so D+, plus, C-, minus there for Mac. He's, he's, he's kind of on the fence there. I thought you would have went a little bit higher, the fact that Atlanta went ahead and covered an 11.5-point spread for you last week. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. As, as handicappers, you, got, you can have your uh, opinions up, down arrows, but sometimes the number's just wrong. And Hawks favored at home, minus 11.5 for the Spurs. Yeah, incorrect, sir. We both cashed on that. <laughs> yes, we did. All right, so your final team of the three here. How about the Washington Wizards? What do you think? This kind of shocked me when I saw it. So last 30 days, they're the seventh best team in the league. And on the season, they're an average team. They did not, in my opinion, have the talent to be an average team. I thought they were going to be two points worse coming into the season. And Beal's been in and out, but it's really been Porzingis. Uh, You look at his numbers, offensively and defensively, he's kind of been the same guy throughout his career. I mean, he took a little bit dip in Dallas, but the way the media – uh, kind of just sold him down the river. Like, oh, he used to be a good player. Now he's an average player. Like, okay, well, he was putting up 20 and nine in New York. Now he's putting up like 28, 20 and eight in, in Dallas. And we just think he's not good anymore. No, I, I think he didn't fit with Luca personality wise, on the court wise, whatever it was. And that's okay. I don't think that's a big demerit against Luca. I don't think that's a big demerit against Porzingis, but he became underrated after that. And uh, he's proven this year to be, you know, a good player. You know, one of the things I think with Porzingis there, Mac, is that he, he feels like he's like a system player to me. I feel like you could have put him on – you could have put him maybe on the Suns. Like, let's say they didn't get KD and they brought Porzingis in. They, now that, that team becomes so much better with a guy like him. I just always felt like he was more of like a system type of player. I'm not sure if you agree with that, but that's kind of – I 100% agree with that. That's why the hype in New York was stupid. That's why the disappointment in Dallas was stupid because – he, he's like Christian Wood. He fills a very specific role, not going to be that big outside of that, not going to be a defensive player of the year or anything outside of that. But he's a, you know, like a B plus system type player that on the right team, like he could be a Chris Bosch. He could be, you know, an ancillary piece. I mean, he's not as good as Chris Bosch, but you know what I mean? He could be an ancillary piece. He was never the superstar that the New York media made him out to be or that um, Dallas was chagrined that he never became. He just was, he, he was never that. So for the season, uh, with Przingis's, you know, remergence and them winning a bunch of games now, they're probably going to be a better than 500 team. I give them a B plus, the Wizards. 
All right, so Matt going to go with a B-plus there for the Wizards. We'll be talking a little bit more about them uh, later on in the podcast. All right, now let's get the last three teams out of the way in the East, and uh, we'll start with uh, my hometown team, the Chicago Bulls. How do you think they've done this season? What's their grade? Uh, currently, Mac. Unfortunately, I'm gonna have to give them like a D. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll go with a D. I think that they should be better with the big three that they have: a Levine, Vukovic, and a Rosen. The fact is that they really haven't been all that good. The East isn't exactly strong right now, and the Bulls have actually been healthy for you know pretty much most of the season. One of the things that alarm me about Chicago is that they have five three-game losing streaks or more this entire season. And right now, no, they're currently on a six-game slide. I get the feeling, Mac, that we're going to see this team absolutely blow up, whether it's at the end of the year, you know, where they just start, you know, throwing in the towel and the locker room gets divided or in the offseason. I do not see this team staying together. I'm rather disappointed in this team. I think this is a team that you were actually low on going into the year, but I can't really give them any better than I'll say D minus. Like this team has just not been impressive. So D minus for me for the for the Bulls. Yeah, it was low, and this was my the Bulls under forty two and a half wins was my biggest preseason bet, and uh, it's played out pretty close to what I thought. I said you know they were below average most of the year last year after um, Lonzo Ball went down. I expect them to be below average again. They were expected to be above average at forty two and a half. It was a very simple, straightforward handicap. Well, they've been healthier than I expected, and they've been about as good as I expected. Negative 0.5 net rating, and a currently projected to win 37 games. That's five and a half lower than their win total. Uh, so feeling good about that one. Uh, here's one that I did not get right. I bet the Orlando Magic under, and they seem to be uh, better than I thought. Shout out Markel Fultz. What do you give the Orlando Magic? What's their grade? I got to go B plus here. I was teetering on an A, but B plus feels right. They're going to go over their season win total, unfortunately, for you there, Mac, in the next few games. They got yep. – I don't know. I, I guess you could say, like, they ended up getting a really good player in Paulo Vancaro, and he's playing at a high level, and he was he came right out of the gate. So, you know, kudos to that because it's not easy to go ahead and hit on a draft pick. This team's only had one three-game losing streak in the last, like, two and a half months. So, clearly they have it together. Clearly there's light at the end of the tunnel, Mac. So, for me – I have to give Orlando like a B plus right now. That That's kind of where I'm at with them. Think about the different possibilities after Woj reported that Jabari Smith, we know this, the day before the draft is going to the Orlando Magic. Shooting 38% scoring 11 a game, it looks like he's going to be just another NBA player out there. Whether they made the last second switch or this was their plan all along, uh, I actually bet this at 3-1 to one, not, before, not long before the draft. They went with Paolo Bencaro. They went with the upside on offense. And it made all the difference. Uh, Revelation, what is he like? Minus a thousand to be rookie of the year, and it's de- and it's deservedly so. Charlotte Hornets, uh, not so impressive, not better than expectations. What do you make of them? What's their grade this year? Oh, they're getting an F. That team absolutely Ooh. stinks. They hit on like one draft pick. Talking about the draft in like the last ten years, they're not even going to sniff their season win total at thirty six and a half games. They don't play any defense. They stink at home. They, they stink on the road. They haven't made the playoffs in like the last six years. They The last time they won a playoff series was like 20 years ago. They feel like a team that just loves competing to be the doormat of the NBA. They're getting an F for me. They stink. <laughs> pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, 36 and a half in hindsight seems crazy uh, with one of their players uh, out on bail or maybe not even that uh, entering the season. And uh, the coaching hire, when they went back to their old coach, Steve Clifford, it seems like there's kind of an insular 
uh, we, you know, Jordan guys uh, type of, you know, I guess you could call it an old boys club where, you know, he has his guys, his North Carolina guys, his North Carolina friends, and he he sticks with it. And uh, results not so hot so far. No, not whatsoever. So that, that team's certainly getting an F from me. Uh, you got three more teams there, Mac. That'll wrap up the Eastern Conference. Let's go ahead and kick it off here with the Toronto Raptors. Toronto Raptors, I went back and forth on this. Their numbers on the season uh, actually look pretty good, better than I expected, 12th best net rating. But I'm still going to give them a C. Uh, their win-loss, you know, if you give – Paul Pierce used to say whenever it's close, it's a close game. It's not a player's win. It's a coach win. You make those decisions. Well, they're supposed to have the best coach in the game in Nick Nurse or, you know, one of them, along with Eric Spolstra and a couple other guys. And they've done the opposite. They've been a good net rating team, and they've been three games below 500. And, you know, maybe that's just happen chance, but it, it does seem like there's just something not quite right there. And I think it goes back to Scotty Barnes. Um, I'm not sure if he took a step back this year, but he definitely didn't take a step forward. And it, it's coming to the point where it's like, what does Scotty Barnes, this huge asset, this guy that they wouldn't trade for Kevin Durant, apparently, in the summer, what does he do better than an average player? You know, he kind of does everything kind of okay. Um, so that's a disappointment. And then Pascal Siakam doesn't really work with Scotty Barnes, so there's that tension there. Uh, you know they're kind of the same, they're kind of the same player in the same spots on the court, so I'm going to give them a C minus the Raptors. C minus, I don't mind that. I think the issue, I mean, honestly, Mac, I think that this is probably like a B plus to an A roster. Unfortunately, they they just can't get it together. There's too many guys on the on that court that that want the ball, that need the ball, that have to shoot the ball, and they don't have. It, it, this is just my opinion. They need a coach that can figure out how to have these five guys on the floor together to make it work and they haven't found that guy yet. And maybe it's, maybe it's not the coach, you know, maybe it's just the players, but I, I always felt like this team on paper was actually a really good basketball team. And it's just, it's just not going through. So, so Matt going with a C minus, let's go to how about Indiana? What do you think about them? It's funny that you mentioned the coach. Cause I do think Nick nurse is a really good coach, but sometimes you build up a project and you got to start from scratch. Maybe the roster construction just didn't quite work. And uh, I think nurse, could find a, a way to make it fit better, but I'm not sure that there's any coach or any uh, way to make uh, to make it to make it work as good as the sum of their parts should. Anyway, going back to the Indiana Pacers. Speaking of coaches, the Rick Carlisle project is done well. They're about to go over their win total. It's projected to win 35 games. The win total was one of the lowest ones in the league. I think it was like 25. And last year they didn't play any defense, but they built an offensive system that made sense. They built the tenants the fast pace that Rick Carlisle wanted to play like, and this year they get Miles Turner back. This year Halliburton takes a jump. The rookie Ben Matherin's looking good. Uh, so I think they kind of sowed their oats, and now it's paying off. They're not a good team. You know, they don't have the roster for it yet, but Halliburton's been, you know, he's an all-star, and he deserves to, deserves to be. And I think they're taking the right steps to be more like the Mavericks of Rick Carlisle's, um, you know, heyday when he made 15 playoffs in a row or whatever. So I think the building blocks are there. I give them a B. All right, Mac going with the Pacers, giving them a B. Final team here in the East, Mac, Detroit Pistons. What do you got? They get an F. They are terrible, and I expected them to be bad, but they're minus eight points first and average team, net rating-wise. And if they stage the Cade Cunningham injury, they picked a great year to do it because there's a lot of good draft picks coming up, and this is going to be a complete reset. I don't think any of their players, Marvin Bagley, nobody um, – deserves the guaranteed roster spot outside of Cade Cunningham. And I don't think they're necessarily going to have the same coach next year. I know they're tanking, you know, arguably, 
can't be this bad on night in and night out basis on offense and on defense. So I'm going to give them a straight F. All right, that knocks out the Eastern Conference. Let's move on to the West, the wide open West this year. Uh, first three teams we have for you. Uh, let's start it off with the Sacramento Kings. How do you think they've done this year in Mike Brown's first year? What's their grade? I like them. I'm going to go B+. I've been impressed with the season that they put together thus far. Not impressed that they didn't make some type of a splash at the deadline. So I will dock them a little bit for that. I, I feel right now like this is just – it's a team that's a good player away from maybe winning a playoff series. And it look, credit to what they've done so far, but that's why I docked them. I thought maybe they would go out and maybe try to get like another wing player or something like that to really improve them. So B-plus for me for the Kings. Yeah, it's got to be exciting times. I mean, they're shining, they're shining the light out into outer space every time they win. They're winning a bunch. Uh, probably going to make the playoffs for the first time uh, in recent memory, since 2006, I believe. So B-plus makes sense to me. How about this team? How about the Dallas Mavericks? What do you give them? What's their grade? Let me go a little opposite here instead of B-plus. I'll go B-minus. I think that they made a statement bringing in Kyrie Irving to help out Luka. Is it enough, though? I'm not sure. You know, is it too much? You know, will the Mavs regret bringing in Kyrie, who has been, you know, a little bit of a worrisome side? The Mavs, they never really looked like they, they really ever figured out anything this entire season. Like, at, at what point have they actually looked like they just had all their ducks in a row and, and it was like a well-oiled machine? Haven't seen it yet. Can Kyrie do that? I don't know. I guess we'll see. I'm going to go ahead and give the Dallas Mavericks a B-. minus. I think B- minus is dead on. I like the Kyrie move, but this year as a season as a whole, they've definitely underperformed. They're actually the worst ATS team in the league at 36.8%. Uh, we'll see if Kyrie turns that around. Hasn't happened yet. Next team, another big trade team. How about the Phoenix Sun? What, what would you say their grade is this year? I'm going to go A-. And uh, some of that does have to do with this trade here. You bring in arguably the best player in the league, and you make a statement to everybody that you care. The sun started to kind of fall off a little bit. Now Booker's back, and you pair him up with KD, CP3, and Aiton. This team could absolutely be deadly for the league. My only concern, Mac, is what does this team look like in three years? There's a good chance that this big four in a couple years could be the big zero. So I do have concerns for that. We don't know what this team's going to look like in a couple years. And did they did they maybe spend too much? Uh, have they should they maybe have let some players go or brought some players in or, or held on to some players? I'm not sure. I guess we'll find out. But as of right now, Phoenix with an A minus, and a lot of that's just due to bringing in Kevin Durant. Well, they got rid of one of the more disliked owners in the history of the NBA, even before this controversy or this investigation, just known as a cheap, unfriendly guy. So he's gone, and they bring in a guy who, on his first day on the job, trades for Kevin Durant. So yeah, he's going all in. He's saying, let's win it now. And I bet he'll he'll own the team in four years, but will he own a good team? We'll see. But he definitely owns a good one right now. Yeah, you gotta give him you gotta give him a round of applause for going ahead and just pulling that off as soon as you step in the office. Uh, nothing wrong with that. I'm gonna go ahead, Mac. I'll start out your Western Conference teams with the number one team in the Western Conference. You got the Denver Nuggets. What's their grade thus far? The Nuggets get a straight A, and they've had the MVP the last two years. And they've kind of been an okay team. And I'm not sure he should have won MVP as a seventh seed. But this year, they're accentuating his best talents. They got their all-star Murray back or all-star caliber player. And whether it's Gordon, whether it's Porter, whoever it is on a given night, uh, they've just come up and been the best team in the West so far. Um, 
it's not easy to keep the same program going, but make small, subtle improvements. That's what the Celtics did. They really had the same team the last five, six years, but they got a little bit better. He took advantage of opportunities, added pieces where they could. That's what I see the Nuggets doing. They're taking that step to be a real contender, I think, for the first time in Jokic's career. Nuggets get an A. All right, Nuggets A. What about the Grizzlies? Grizzlies, B+. Their numbers have been impressive. I've upgraded them a point and a half on the season. Um, However, big however, the questions have always been, not can they dominate the regular season? They did that last year. Not can they play without this guy or that guy? John Morant missed 21 games. They won like 19 of them last year. The question has always been, do they have the maturity and the top-end talent to win in the playoffs? And I think both things are in question. Uh, the Shannon Sharp incident, whether or not he was in the wrong, they were in the wrong. When you lose five out of your next six games right after that, and you almost never have a bad losing streak uh, in this tenure, it shows that you're probably kind of reacting in an emotional way uh, at times. So that's why they don't get an A, but they've been very impressive on the floor. They get a B plus. All right. As far as Shannon Sharp's concerned, he wouldn't even be as famous as he was if it wasn't for Skip Bayless being the idiot that he is. (laughs) But I see Shannon Sharp out there on on the sidelines, you know, trying to, you know, pound with LeBron and, and, and do these – it's like, dude, just sit down, dude, and just do your job. You're not, you're not going to go viral. You're not some kind of star. Well, I guess he did go viral, but whatever. It's Shannon Sharp. Anyway, we'll move on to another team in L.A. Uh, how about the Clippers, Mac? What's their grade so far? The Clippers get a B. Their numbers on the season aren't that great. Their, super, their NBA title odds have gone from like 8-1, to one, one of the favorites, now only 14-1. to one. Their path looks pretty tough. But they're not going to get a C. They're going to get above-average grade because – they look like the champion. They finally look like the championship team that we expected when they finally got together with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So the last month, when Kawhi is on the floor, which thankfully is 90 percent of the time, ten and two, ten and two straight up, nine and three ATS. That's the kind of uh, beating expectations I expect when Kawhi Leonard's on the floor. And when he went down in the playoffs, twenty twenty one, I had him tied with Kevin Durant as the best player in the league worth seven points to the line. I think you look at the numbers in that Jazz series or in that Maverick series, it's hard to argue anyone was playing at that level. I'm not sure he's that far off of it. The Ringer, I think, had him at 18 at one point this season. And, okay, I get it if you say, well, he's worth seven points to the line, but only plays half the games. He's worth three and a half points to the line. That's just not how I look at basketball. It's not how I conceive of the game. Basketball is an ability, and how often you play it is another consideration, an important one, but it doesn't speak to your basketball ability. Kawhi Leonard is one of the best players in the world, one of the five best players in the world that happens to have a body that doesn't allow him to play that much. But I think about it this way. So Louis C.K. just had a special, however you feel about him, controversial or not. I think he's a great comedian. Just had a great special at Madison Square Garden, I believe it was. Um, And he's going to take a year off. If someone asked me in six months, who's the best comedians in the world? I'd say Dave Chappelle. I'd say, uh, you know, Bill, Bill Burr I like. And I'd say Louis C.K. is definitely in that conversation. I'm not going to say, well, it would be Louis C.K., but, you know, he's kind of taking load management this year, so I'm going to dock him some points. It's not how – I don't laugh. You know, I don't have, a, you know, a, a quota for laughs. And I don't have a quota for watching great basketball. It's just great basketball to watch, and that's what I like to see. And we're seeing it. Kawhi Leonard, 10-2 and two, last 12, last time he's been on the court. So I give them a straight B. All right. So Clippers get a B. I do have a question with you with Kawhi though. It's funny because I think of like the two players when like the two players I always think of when I think about load management is Embiid and Kawhi. And it was I saw it like the one day like they had like on the injury report it was like knee maintenance, and I was like, "Geez, come <laughs> on, do it already." But my question to you, Mac, 
have we seen the the end of the Kawhi rest stuff? Like, is it full go now that we're in the second half that we got like 20, 24 games left? Is it all, you know, Kawhi going to be a full go now? Yes, that's the feeling I get that this is the championship run. It begins now. They can resurrect all their hopes and dreams for this team if they do what they what they want to do the next four months. You know, June 17th will be probably the last time uh, that they would need to be excellent. And um, I think rhythm is important. I think um, cohesion is important. They got rid of Reggie Jackson, who fell off this year. So Terrence Mann is kind of a pseudo point guard, which makes sense. I mean, look at the Celtics. They don't really have a point guard. They have a defensive player in Marcus Smart that happens to run point. Terrence Mann, up-and-coming defensive elite player that happens to you know nominally be the point guard. But they really got three decision makers with Kawhi and Paul George being the other two. And I think it works. I think it's a formula that works. And I don't think Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's going to shrink from the moment the way Jason, T- Jason Tatum kind of did last year. And Jalen Brown got, oh, he did well. He didn't take a lot of shots. If you have a good shooting percentage, you don't take a lot of shots and your team loses the finals, you don't get a good grade for me either. So they both got a demerit. I think the veteran leadership uh, for the Clippers is a big advantage for them down the stretch. And you mentioned Embiid, by the way. Uh, he is taking the All-Star game off. I don't get why more players do that. If you need load management, don't play exhibition games. So I'm, I'm glad that he's doing that as a Sixers backer. I have an over 15 and a half ticket. I thought that was the right decision. Very happy about that. So let me kick it back to you for the next three teams in the West. Ah, we're both bullish on this team coming in. What do you make? What's the grade for the New Orleans? New Orleans? Which one is it? I don't know. The Pelicans. I say New Orleans. I'm going to go ahead and give them. Me too. I'll give them a C plus. You know, you just mentioned about guys not playing in the All Star game. They got one here uh, in Zion. The Pels right now, Mac. I mean, they're they're kind of hanging on for dear life, but they are hanging on. Ingram missed a ton of time, and and now Zion. I feel like this team kind of just has like a sign that, that reads like nothing to see here with you know the word like nothing just blinking on and off. So <laughs> it, it's it's a C plus for me right now. I can't go any higher. Can't go any lower. You and I are optimistic for this team when they're healthy, playing good basketball. But right now, what they've done this entire year, C+. Anthony Davis, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. What do they all have in common? They all played for the Pelicans and were at one point great players. And they all seemingly could not stay on the court at all in New Orleans. Uh, I think the training staff people have talked about, they spend like five times as much on the Saints training staff because it's the same ownership group as they do on the Pelicans. And I think it shows. They're, uh, you know, a second a second-rate organization in the league, uh, at least from a franchise perspective. I like the coach. I like a lot of the players. I do think they are a 51 team when healthy, when right, but they're not right, and that seems to be a theme uh, down there in the bayou. Uh, next team here, the Golden State Warriors defending champions. What do you make of them? What's their grade? I can't give them anything better than a D. They certainly do not look like the defending champions right now. They're terrible on the road. Their defense might I don't think their defense has ever looked worse than it is right now. You know, the depth with this team is becoming even more of an issue. They did bring in Gary Payton. I mean, they brought him back, but uh, they kind of screwed that trade up because they didn't realize that he wasn't going to be ready Mm. to go. So, you know, that trade's in question. Curry's out right now. It's certainly more question marks than anything right now. And they're like literally like they're one game out from being out of the playing. So they, they can't get any better than the D. I think that's all I could do is a D, maybe even a D minus for Golden State. I agree with you, man. I think the Warriors at the trade deadline should have had one goal. We know we have a great starting five unit. In fact, the starting five of the Warriors is the best five-man lineup in the NBA this season. However, they have very few minutes together. And outside of that, there's a reason they're a nine seed right now. They needed bench help. They needed more weapons. And getting a player in Gary Payton who you like and you trust – 
that can't play till the playoffs is not going to help you if you don't make the playoffs. So I thought that was a big miss by them. I thought they should have traded some of their younger pieces to get better now, and they didn't. So D to D minus for Sleepy on that one. I'm in agreement. What about uh, maybe more rosy season so far? What about SGA and the Oklahoma City Thunder? What do you make of them? What's their grade? All right, our boy SGA. I'm going to go ahead and give Oklahoma City. I'm going to give them a straight B. They haven't tanked the season away, and, and that's a good thing. But right. I felt like they could have made some moves to kind of really excite the fan base. You know, winning is one thing, and being in the playoffs is another. But given the fan base hope that you can actually win and do something totally different that you haven't done in a long time, um, I think that that goes a long way. I mean, you have to give the Thunder a little bit of credit here. Um, the fact that they've been able to take down some of the league's best teams, they beat the Clippers, the Celtics, the Cavs, uh, 76ers, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets. I mean, you you take a look at the league's best teams, and this OKC team basically has beaten all of them. I just felt like they would have given themselves a little bit more help when the deadline came to actually solidify a playoff spot because it comes down to not just winning, but winning playoff games and winning playoff series giving your fan base something to be excited about going into the next year. And look, people will be excited now. Obviously, this team is playing much better than they have in the past. They're there. They're on the fringe. So B for me, I just felt like maybe the, the deadline was a little bit of a miss. I think you said it at the top. They're not tanking. So that's an improvement. That's a positive, in my opinion. One of the better ATS teams last each of the last two years, and they're not falling off. So makes sense to me. Solid grade there. Sleepy's going to go ahead and give them a B. All right, so you got three teams left here in the West there, Mac. These will be your final three. I guess we're going to have to start it out with another, uh, I guess, Thorn in our side. You got the Timberwolves. What do you What do you make? Yeah, Thorn in our side is right. We had them as uh, the best divisional bet. I think they were 2-1. to one. Uh, We didn't know Jokic and the Nuggets were just going to uh, take over the league this season. That being said, they had a very poor start to the season. The pieces didn't mesh together. Rudy Gobert has been a di- disappointment. That trade's been not unlike the Russell Wilson trade in terms of record value and not so much in return. However, that being said, after Carl Anthony Towns goes down and they had such a bad start to the season, I thought they were unlikely to be a playoff threat. But Anthony Edwards um, has been that guy, plus two and a half points to the average line by EPM. And I think that probably underrates his value as far as the in the building, uh, the energy and excitement that he brings. So, I give them a B minus. Um, they're very much worse than expectations, but given the givens, given the Towns injury, they've resurrected their season. They're going to be in a play-in game most likely. So B minus, maybe a C plus, B minus. All right, so C plus, B minus there for the T-Wolves. How about the Utah Jazz? The Utah Jazz, I'm going to give them a B minus as well. And I know they're an average team, and I know they're expected to be one of the worst teams in the league. But isn't that kind of the point? Like, they're always an average team. For the last 30 years, they've made the playoffs, like 26 of them. And they had Donovan Mitchell. They had Rudy Gobert. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this because they traded both of them to get picks, to have improvement. And they have, but with the trade deadline, getting Westbrook and immediately releasing them, I just don't see the direction of this franchise. Um, you know, I don't like who are you going to build around? Laurie Markkinen's good, but he's already like 28. He's not exactly, you know, Donovan Mitchell was at was 20 in this prime, ready ready to have, you know, 15 years and you couldn't really build around him. Um so we'll see new regime, but I'm not as optimistic. I don't think, you know, they should get as much love as they have uh for being, you know, not a bad team this year. Um 
directionally, I don't like it. So B minus for the Jazz. All right, B minus for the Jazz. I felt like I feel like you're giving them a B minus for the record that they have, but I would actually give them an F for not tanking. That that's kind of where I would, that's where I would. Go. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. But all right, so I guess maybe on, on I'm, I'm wondering if you if you actually got this flipped. So your last team's going to be the Spurs. I'm guessing you're not giving them a good grade. No, I'm not. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, I guess they're they're doing what they're supposed to do, but um, yeah, I gave them a D. And it's funny you're kind of you're kind of pointing out a little bit of a, a hypocrisy in my logic here because I'm not impressed with the Jazz because I thought they don't have a direction that they're going. The Spurs do have a direction they're going. They're straight down. They're the worst team, not only this year but of the last few years. They're just horrendous. They're like ten points worse than an average team. Um, at least net rating wise, my m- m- numbers make it minus nine and a half versus an average team. And Pop tried to warn us. He said, uh, don't bet on us for the title. He should have said, don't bet on us ever in any situation uh, and fade us as much as you can, like uh, we did with the Hawks a couple nights ago. So it's just such a fall from grace. I know they're supposed to be tanking. I know they should be, you know, trading guys like DeJounte Murray to get picks, to think about the future. But it's Popovich is probably his last year and it's it's not even competitive on a night into night basis. They're not even covering. They're not even interesting to watch. They don't have one player that probably is worth talking about. Uh, so they also are just too unimpressive to have a good grade. They get a D from me. All right. So the Spurs are going to get a D. That'll wrap up max teams there in the West. I will say this, though. Like, I actually thought the Spurs would be better than the Jazz. But when you look at, at the current construction of both of these teams, the Jazz actually have better pieces more pieces so all right that'll wrap up your teams there mac i got three left let me go ahead and give out my third to last and that's going to be the la lakers i can't give them any better than a c mac the fact that the lakers brass didn't do anything to cost them more of the future i actually think that that's a little bit of a good thing otherwise there's a chance that they could have gotten a d or an f if you have lebron and you have ad i guess you can go ahead and you can win games but it's all about kind of figuring it out. Defensively, they're not good at all. Uh, but, you know, hey, LeBron broke the all-time scoring record, and they did get rid of Westbrook. So, um, you know, positives there. I guess it just depends on on kind of what tickles your fancy with this Lakers team. So it's a C grade for me, Mac, at best. When you shoot your foot, you don't get credit for going to the doctor and having them fix it. Uh, I agree with you. There's nothing positive that's come out. I mean, maybe it's not negative because they're fixing some of their mistakes, but – um, what do you make of this? On Fox Sports Radio, Colin Cowherd had the most Colin Cowherd proposition I've ever heard. What do you think of the Lakers trading Anthony Davis for Luka Doncic? It's insane, right? It's the crazy, like it's the craziest idea. If the Lakers gave him every first-round pick from now till 2050 and Anthony Davis, it wouldn't be worth Luka Doncic. You have the guy at 24, and you're going to trade him for a guy that's been worse every year and hasn't been able, hasn't been able to stay on the court that much. It's nonsense. It's a Lakers fan just you know dreaming big. You know, wouldn't that be cool to see LeBron ride off in the sunset with Luca? Not going to happen, at least unless uh, uh, Mark Cuban's doing something that even Aaron Rodgers wouldn't do as far as drugs uh, paraphernalia, because you would have to be outside your mind to make that kind of deal. What did you think about the Portland Trailblazers? I'm interested in this one because they haven't done anything really wrong, but they're also not likely to make the playoffs. What do you make? Of, what do you make of the Blazers? All right. So before I get into the Blazers, I got to go back to because I was speechless when you said AD for Luca. I'm just like, what? Like I don't, <laughs> I don't get that. But 
honestly, Mac, I, I don't. The only time I ever see LeBron winning with Luca is in an All Star game. I don't see Luca going to LA. I think the only way that those two join forces is if LeBron actually takes off out of there, and maybe he makes a trip to Dallas or he he leaves. Like it would be LeBron joining Luca instead of Luca joining LeBron. That's just kind of the way that, that I feel about that. As far as Portland goes, D plus. They started out really hot, but they've cooled off a lot. They have a team, in my opinion, that can actually win games, but they lose games that they should, and they lose games that they shouldn't. <laughs> They're nothing better than an average team right now. Their home record, I feel like it should be better. This team should just be better. There's really nothing to see here, and the, the, there is a sign here, Mac, and there's the nothing is, is it's on. It's, <laughs> it's, it's on. So the Portland Trailblazers, D-plus for me. I agree with you. They're supposed to retool to build a real contender around Damian Lillard, and he was going to stay. And it was going to be a feel-good story up in up in Rose City or whatever it's called, uh, Rip City. Um, hasn't happened. D plus is right. I think I agree with you on that. Uh, speaking of not right, what do you make of the Houston Rockets? All right. So my final team here, they're getting a D plus. It seems to me, Mac, and I don't know, maybe it's just me that they've been developing like the same team for like the last eight years now. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you mentioned Jabari Smith, good basketball player. I think that he's somebody that, that can help this team. I mean, they're in line again for another good pick and, and credit for that. I'm sure that they probably hit some historical lows this year uh, when it comes to the stats. So credit for that as well. I mean, th- they stink. I mean, that's that's really the best that I that I could say. But it just feels like this team's been on the floor for like eight years in a row outside of like Jabari Smith. So D plus for me with the Rockets. Yeah, I agree with you. We mentioned it before. They're spending $85 million on past mistakes, players that are not on the court right now for them, like John Wall. And uh, where's the hope on the horizon? I don't see it. Uh, so that'll wrap it up. We graded each and every team uh, their first half of the season, the direction of their franchise, Wrap it off with two straight D pluses in the Blazers and the Rockets. Uh, it's tough in the West, and uh, some of them aren't up to snuff. So where are we going from here, Sleep? All right, so that was fun. I think it, we kind of gave everybody kind of, uh, I guess, kind of like how we felt that these teams have done so far. That's not necessarily you know indicative of, of who these teams are, but it's kind of like a lot of the moves and stuff that they could have, maybe should have made, and, and just you know all that fun stuff. I think, Mac, we should probably jump into maybe some NBA Coach of the Year odds. Uh, we could talk some We could talk some season win totals to make the playoffs. I mean, we talked about it the other day. Lakers to go ahead to miss the playoffs was minus 260. Went ahead and I talked to our buddy Smooth. He was on board with that, too. He kind of felt like the Lakers would have a pretty good chance to miss as well. And the fact that they didn't go ahead, you know, really make any moves, uh, at least in my opinion, in his opinion, and I'm guessing probably in yours to actually improve that team. That the minus 260 looks, you know, looks half decent. Now we're gonna have a best bet. It'll be our second half best bet. We're gonna save that till last. So coach of the year odds are out right now. Mac, I'm gonna read off. Let me read off like the top five, because I don't think really after the top five that there's probably a candidate that's probably going to win. Uh currently, right now, the favorite is gonna be Michael Brown at two to one, followed by Joe Mazzula, two to one, Michael Malone at plus three twenty-five. Taylor Jenkins five to one, Jacques Vaughn six to one. Is there a guy in there that you would throw down some cash on? I'm a big believer on franchise momentum and changing that course. Last year, Monty Williams took the Suns from a good team to by far the best team in the West, at least during the regular season. He deserved Coach of the Year. 
when I look at a guy like Joe Missoula, who's one of the favorites at two to one, I'm like the Celtics are very good and they were expected to be very good. So good job. He didn't mess anything up. He kept it going. Maybe even a great job, but coach of the year. I don't see it. I don't see it quite like that. Um, I don't really get why Taylor, Taylor Jenkins is a similar story. The Grizzlies are just as good as they were last year. Uh, really only Mike Brown, who's might make the Kings a playoff team for the first time in a couple decades, or Mike Malone. Those are the only two candidates that I see as viable. Yeah, I would say Mike and Mike would have to be <laughs> uh, would have to be your fit. I would probably go with Malone. The only reason is like Denver was floating around, you know, that that five, six seed for, for the longest time. But the fact that that he's able to vault that team to the number one seed right now in the West. Um, I think that that's rather impressive. But I feel like at the end of the year that the Kings probably will slip a little bit. And I, I don't give a whole lot of credit to anybody who can – I mean, Boston's Boston. You could, I mean, they're going to win games. So I don't know if there's a lot of credit there. I would say Mike Malone probably will end up being the beneficiary of being able to take a team that's been bounced out of the playoffs to – at least a number one seed. Like, that'll be highly looked at. That's just kind of how I feel. Plus 325, I feel like at least I have a ticket that that would be live. Yeah, and Monty Williams was a one seed. Thibodeau, I believe, won it the year before. He was a five seed. It'd be weird to give it to a nine seed or an eight seed, which the Kings are likely to be. So I'd say of the two, best value, Mike Malone at plus 325 for sure. All right, Max. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead. We're going to put season win totals. And to make the playoffs, we're going to put that on the back burner because I do want to go ahead and get into the All-Star game. We're running a little bit late here. Here's what we'll do, guys. Mac and I, we'll go ahead. We'll do like a bet tank pod for you guys. Uh, We'll do that in like a couple of days, maybe even closer to the All-Star game, give you guys some content. And if we do find anything else that we like for the All-Star game, we'll go ahead and we'll put that on there as well. But we want to jump into the All-Star game. Currently right now, uh, we have Team LeBron versus Team Giannis. Mac, did you get any report right now? If Giannis is going to play, he only played nine minutes last night, messed up his wrist. Any report on Giannis of what's going on or maybe how severe his injury is? So it's uncertain was the report, but reading the tea leaves here, I found it notable that most books left his MVP odds up. Then again, cockroaches, you know, they're, they're prone to do that. Uh, but also, Team LeBron went from minus 120 about to minus 154 right now on FanDuel. Uh, went from a one and a half point favorite to now a three point favorite. That seems to suggest that Team Giannis isn't going to have Giannis on it. Or maybe it's just because people love betting LeBron in the All-Star game. I think he's 7-8-0 or something like that. Could be a little bit of both. But I would say 40% chance Giannis is out there. At least 40% he plays significant minutes in the All-Star game. Why not rest? You just sprained your wrist. Yeah, I don't want to bet against LeBron in the All-Star game. Like you said, that dude, he doesn't seem to lose um, You know, the All-Star game. You, you mentioned MVP, so let's talk All-Star game MVP. Current favorite right now, Mac, is LeBron James at plus 550. And the second favorite, as we were just talking about, turns out to be Giannis at plus 650. Now, you and I were going through, we were looking at the odds, and I said, let's come up with a guy that's that's not Giannis, that's not LeBron, somebody that makes sense. And you kind of said Donovan Mitchell. I had Donovan Mitchell, and I'm like, well, I guess we're going with Donovan Mitchell. His odds are 14 to 1. You kind of gave it interesting tidbit on him or why you liked him what do you got yeah uh so we got there from different perspectives which i like donovan mitchell yeah he's a great player you know offensive player the kind of guy that thrives in an all-star game he also has revenge on his mind salt lake city is a team that uh i mean i'm sure he had a good time there but he wants to show them what they're missing what they missed out on not building better teams around him not uh you know probably trading gobert for someone that matched him better so i think he's gonna have some revenge in his mind in salt lake city 
Uh, his game is not that dissimilar to Kobe as far as a volume shooter, maybe not you know as nuanced and delicate. But remember, Kobe, I think it was it was either in L.A. or in Philly. I think it was in L.A., but everyone talked about it. Dwayne Wade talked about it. It was like in the locker room the game before. There was no doubt in anybody's mind he was winning MVP. He just took the game by the scruff of his neck from the beginning. Um, Mitchell, not as good as Kobe, but I think he has a similar mentality as a scorer. I think he could put up some big numbers here. So I like him at 14 to 1. Yeah, I'll take him to win the All-Star break, All-Star game MVP. All right. I think another reason why we should probably look at Mitchell, he's going to be in the starting five. And I think that you probably want to go ahead and you want to target one of the guys that's starting versus a guy that's coming off the bench. So we're going to have him as a starter. And if you take a look at who the head coach is, it's going to be Boston's head coach. Well, who's going to go ahead and give him trouble in the playoffs? Well, it's not going to be Jason Tatum. That's his guy. Is it going to be Giannis? No. Giannis might not even play in this game. And I, I tend to think maybe Joel Embiid, a center in this game, probably won't win this award. But he might actually look to go ahead and push Mitchell as as far as he can go. You know, maybe he tweaks an ankle. Who knows? And say, you know me, I'm a conspiracy theorist. So that's kind of just the way I think. So that's another reason why I think he might run Mitchell as long as he possibly can in this game. And I love the revenge factor. So Donovan Mitchell at 14 to 1, that'll be the guy that we pick uh, for the All-Star Game MVP. Um, do you even have a pick on the game there, Matt? Because I don't. Um, I Like we talked a while back, it was like just bet the over. But right. it seems like that, that kind of kind of went away a little bit. No, with the ELO ending, it's very different. It's kind of hard to figure. You got to do a three-quarter total and then assume like 55 points or whatever the math says for the fourth quarter. Um his number's a little bit higher than it was last year, but it seems right in line. Um, 324 and a half, I think it was 322 or something. So n- nothing too appetizing there. And maybe if I would have got to Team LeBron early at minus 120, it would have been interesting. But at minus 155 for an exhibition game, I'm, I'm a pass, most likely. All right. If I could find maybe some cheaper odds on, on Team LeBron, you know, if I can maybe get like a minus 130 or something like that, maybe I'll go ahead and take a chance with that. Let's go ahead and let's talk. Let's talk three-point contest because we do want to talk a little bit about the dunk contest as well. Three-point contest. I went through these names there, Mac. I have no idea. Let me read <laughs> Let me read off the names that are going to be in the three-point contest this year. Buddy Heald, Dame Lillard, Jason Tatum, Kevin Herter, Laurie Markkinen, Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero. Not even sure if he's going to play. I know he's been banged up. And Julius Randle is going to be in the three-point contest. Mac, I'm... Good luck picking one out of the lineup here. This looks tough. Didn't hold on. Wait. Do do we have do we have to dust off the cat thing again? Yeah, I mean, I talked about this a little bit on SOVAM where uh, we picked Carl Anthony Towns to win it at nine to one last year. It was because he takes very little energy in his shot. He's a big guy. It's more of a set shot. You can do that sixty times in a minute, thirty times in a minute, uh, and not to get too tired. Where guys like Damian Lillard get a little more lift on their shot. Uh, sometimes you know miss more down the stretch. That said, Laurie Markinen, I guess, is the most in that mold, the cat mold, as far as a power forward three-point shooter. Uh, plus 650 doesn't get me too excited. I really only have one opinion, is that Julius Randle will not win the three-point contest. He's not a good three-point shooter. He's a bad three-point shooter. He's been below average this season, 33.8%. He's been below average for his career, 33.4%. He had one of the worst shooting playoff runs ever when they lost to the Hawks in five, like literally like historically bad shooting when it mattered most. You could give me a hundred names. Who's going to be in the three point contest. I wouldn't have picked out Julius Randall. So uh, just funny to see him. I wish there was a no, I would lay 20, I would lay 2000. Uh, but <laughs> I might, I might have egg on my face, but 
thankfully, there is no no. I'm not going to lose all that money, but I'm definitely not. I mean, it's kind of like you're going to eliminate them, and then you can say, all right, who else might have value? Because we know that one's not going to cash. All right, so the guy I came down on was Tyrese Halliburton at plus 650, and here's why. Kind of a set shot. Okay, I like it. All right, and he has probably the least amount of 35, 38-foot bombs like you see Lillard and and Buddy Heel taking. Like, I feel like maybe there's no bad habits with him, that some of these guys' range is much further out than where Tyrese Halliburton is at right now. That's kind of just one of the weird angles that I'm taking because I don't know who to pick out of here, so I'm just kind of just trying to play play a little bit differently than most people would play it. So for me, maybe it would be Tyrese Halliburton. Not sure if you like that angle, but that's kind of where I'm going. Uh, plus 650, same odds as Laurie Markkinen. I don't mind it, um, but unlike last year where I felt like we had some good value, some bettable value, uh, this one, you know, maybe pe- – Play some pizza bet. Have some fun. It is maybe my favorite event of All-Star Weekend. It's just a cool kind of thing. Um, besides the game. I like the game, especially the fourth quarter. But, um, yeah, don't see a lot of value here. I'm a pass. But you want to fire on a pizza bet on Halliburton? I don't mind it. Yeah, I'll probably go ahead and do that. I'm actually going to throw, I think, a decent-sized bet on the slam dunk contest, believe it or not. And, I, Mac, I, I couldn't tell you the last – like, the last time I sat down and watched a dunk contest – I honestly don't even remember, man. I mean, it honestly, it maybe a year or two after Jordan like won. I mean, it's been that long. Just because it got so cheesy. Yeah, wait, was D Brown was D Brown after like the Jordan the Jordan dunk contest wins? Uh, I think it was ninety four. So yeah, it would have been after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm guessing it might have been like D Brown. I'm thinking that. I mean, that that's how wow. long it was since I watched. You didn't, you didn't see you didn't see Vince Carter in two thousand with a three sixty windmill. No, I just saw the highlights. I didn't even bother to even turn it on. I, by that time, it was it was kind of cheesy, and I was probably at an age too where it was like, "Hey, man, you know, there's like days off of school, and there's really nothing going on, nothing to bet on." I don't know. It was probably just one of those weird, one of those weird situations. But yeah, haven't watched it in a very, very long time. But I'm gonna watch it this year, and we kind of got a little bit of a conspiracy theory here, so. There's going to be four guys in the dunk contest. The first one is going to be Matt McClung. I never heard of this guy in my life. I have no clue who this guy is. The next one is going to be Jericho Sims. Now, I know him. He plays on uh, – who the hell does he play for? Does he play for the Knicks? Yes, he does. All right, so he plays for the Knicks. And then the other one's going to be Kenya Martin Jr. and Trey Murphy the third. I'm going to go with the white guy, Mac. Believe it or not, the white guy in the slam dunk contest it seems fishy to me that this dude's the favorite. How could he be the favorite? He's only six foot two. Nobody knows who the hell this guy is. Do you know anything about this guy? Have you even heard of this guy? I mean, maybe you have. I have. Maybe you have because his name's Mac. <laughs> I have heard of him. He actually beat my Yale. Uh, one of the rare years we got to the NCAA's. He was part of Georgetown. Wasn't much of a player, but a heck of a dunker even back then. I remember them talking about it. But uh, he's on a 10-day contract. So that means he's halfway in the G League, halfway in the NBA. He's like the 400th best player in the league. Kind of an odd choice to put in the dunk contest unless you're in Salt Lake City, a city that's, what, 80% white. And um, the great white hope. Walking through that door, Matt McClung, he, he does have some hops. Maybe even more than Pat Connaughton, another uh, you know white guy. Uh, it could happen, and the fact that he really doesn't have any competition—none of these guys are sexy. He's probably the most sizzle of any of them. Um, 
So if, if it's close, I could see him getting uh, some favorable calls down the stretch. Well, I was looking through some stuff, and I was, well, one, because I didn't know who the hell the guy was, and, and then I see all oh, a dunk contest participant, and then he did some kind of an interview or something like that where he was like, I have two dunks that nobody's ever seen before. And I'm like, all right, great. <laughs> I mean, like, what are you going to do, dude? Like, we've seen guys go out there on hoverboards and capes and jumping over cars and all kinds of shit like that. I'm like, what's this guy going to do that's impressive? I guess it's cool because it's like, hey, there's this white guy that's going to show us something that, that's never been seen before. I, I kind of get like this, just this weird vibe that it's like this like white man can't jump kind of thing. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No, fucking geek. A, a fucking like. geek. geek, exactly. Like All right? But what you don't realize is that it ain't easy. It is hard <laughs> goddamn work making something this pretty look like a chump or a geek. Fact is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. But you miss, and you've been beat, well, not once, but twice by a slow, white, geeky chunk. <laughs> white dude in the dunk contest, and he's favored. It just, it smells so fishy to me that I think I have to go ahead and just bet this guy. And look, if I lose, I lose. Who cares? And that's kind of where I'm at with this with this dunk contest. I'm going to watch this, though, now that the fact I'm putting money on it. Yeah, I, I will uh, place a little money on it So, so for the entertainment factor, but I also agree with a lot of your points here. Uh, he's also the only guy that is a dunker. Like Ken, Kenyon Martin Jr., they're like they're players. Matt McClung's on a 10-day contract. He might be in and one next year. You know, he's uh, a professional dunker, even at 6'2", as a white guy, maybe because he's a 6'2", white guy, he gets a lot of sizzle from it. Um, doesn't really have any competition. So if he has one, let alone two, Dunks that we've never seen before. It's tough to show me a dunk I've never seen before. So I'm excited to see it. I'll have a little bit of a little bit of green on it. All right, Max. So I was going through, and the last white guy to win a dunk contest. You got to go back to 1996, all the way back to Brent Barry. How old were you in 1996? Do you even know who he is? <laughs> I was six years old, and it's funny. Um, I got this wrong. I, in my memory, I thought it was Christian Leitner who did this, but I've seen a video of it at some point in my life. I have no idea when. But I remember seeing Brett Berry jump, not Christian Leitner, but Brett Berry jump from the free throw line. And my thought was, he's like six inches farther back than Jordan was. He's like, you know, eight inches farther back than Julius Irving was. This might be the best free throw line dunk I've ever seen in a dunk contest because he really was far behind the line. Had some hops that kid. Yeah, I was surprised. I was going back, and there were even names on the dunk contest list, Mac. That I that I honestly, I was like, "Who's that guy? Who's that guy?" And I was like, "Is he white?" So I went back, and I'm like, "Googling," and because like that, that's got to be some of my angle. You know, the, the <laughs> last white guy to win it was you know freaking thirty years ago. So that was part of my part of my handicap there. So before we get into our second half best bet, we got to bring up the the promo code, and it's for good reason. So don't tune out right now. The code's all star twenty. So sitting here, I don't know what night it was, Mac. Maybe it was like Wednesday or Tuesday night. I get a message and a parlay comes through <laughs> in my DMs on Twitter and it says, If this hits, I'll buy something and I'll use your promo code. Cause me and Mac were like, I don't want to say we were begging, but like <laughs> pregame, you know, they, they they track everything that we do and it's like, hey, you know, how's Sleepy and, and Mackenzie doing? And I was like, guys, you know, use that, use that code, All Star Twenty. So the, you know, the pregame rascal say, you know what, 
Sleepy and Mac are doing a pretty good job. Uh, unfortunately, that parlay that we don't recommend, right. that parlay didn't hit. So he didn't use our code of All-Star 20. So now Mac and I were sad. <laughs> so we, we got to come back and we got to beg now for you guys to use code All-Star 20. You guys could save 20% on any package at pregame. And we... You know, we, we really hope you use it. Um, I mean, this this could very well be the last time you ever hear from me and Mackenzie. Yep. Um, you know, based on based on our results. I mean, we're like we're we're begging. Uh, guys are trying to hit parlays. You know, to, to go ahead and do their thing. But I don't know, Mac. That that's kind of my spiel. I mean, it's it's all star twenty. I don't know if you got anything else to maybe save our, you know, save our asses here. Yeah, you showed me that, and that gave me a chuckle. We have to hit a plus five forty parlay. For you to use our promo code, come on, guys. Come on, guys. First of all, don't parlay unless it's correlated. Um, secondly, use All-Star 20. Promo code All-Star 20. Save 20% off anything at pregame.com, and I would appreciate it. So, Mac, actually, the guy that sent me um, the guy that sent me the message, he's actually really cool. He uh, he communicates with me all the time, and when he, when he sent that to, I started laughing my ass off. I was like, this is like, this is great. I'm like, if that's what we got to do, we'll do it. We will give out enough picks to hit parlay <laughs> for these guys. That's the way that, you know, that's the way we are. So It's funny when you sent that, I'm like, well, good thing. I know that's going to win. Cause I was very optimistic about the Grizzlies that day. They got up by like 25 and Bain went over. I hope he played some back. I hope he played some jazz plus 17 and a half or whatever. Cause that was a good wager. Just happened not to hit. Yeah, it was a pretty good wager. So all-star 20 guys, that's the code. Go over there to pregame.com. Buy something. You guys can get, you know, McKenzie's NBA package. Uh, you guys can pick up my plays, McKenzie's daily plays. Save 20% on anything over there at pregame.com using code ALLSTAR20. With that out of the way, let's go ahead. Let's get into our second half of the season best bet. Mac, I'm going to let you go ahead and have the floor. You can introduce this one. Make your case why we're going with this wager as our second half best bet. We're going to go with the Washington Wizards over 40 and a half wins. Currently projected to win 40 wins on NBA 538, but I think uh, we're not taking into account the optimism that should be in Washington right now. So the last 30 days, the second best offense in the league is the Washington Wizards. What happened the last 30 days? Beal's been playing more. Porzingis has more um, wear on his tires and more experience in the building. And I just think directionally, they have something that – a lot of teams in their vicinity, the Bulls, the Raptors, the Pacers have, they have real hope and direction. And what does that mean? It means they're not going to tank. In my opinion, they're not going to not make the 10th seed because they can get a couple more lottery balls. The vibe in Chocolate City is let's actually have a good playoff team. It's probably the most important team to that city right now with Washington being a whole kind of mess as far as football is concerned. So I think there's some love in the building for that team. I think there's some optimism in that in that building, and they're the seventh best team net rating wise, second best offense in the league last month. I think they keep it rolling. I think some of these other teams start tanking a little bit harder. Uh, they got to go 13 and 11 for us to cash. I like them to do it. They got an easy schedule coming up as well. All right, Mac. I think with this team, you know how I talked about Brooklyn the other day, how it was just like this band of brothers that like nobody wanted. I feel like Washington kind of has a little bit of that. Like, you know, you got Porzingis on the team. You got Kuzma, Montemoris, Daniel Gafford, guys that have been around the league that have played on multiple teams. And although a lot of people haven't given them a whole lot of hope, I feel like there is hope there. Their schedule, not only is it easy, but this team's going to play more home games than any other team in the league the second half. I believe they have 15 home games. 
And for them to go ahead and get over this number, I don't think it's really going to be all that tough. We have a decent roster. We have home games. We have SOS in our favor. And we also have the fact that this team's not going to tank. So our best bet for the second half is going to be the Washington Wizards over the 40 and a half wins. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. Went a little bit long, but it was fun. Hopefully you guys will go ahead and uh, jump in on some of that all-star action. Like I said, Mackenzie and I will go ahead. We'll try to do a bet tank pod for you guys. Uh, in a couple of days, we'll talk a little bit more about those season win totals. We'll talk a little bit more uh, about the awards and things like that to make the playoff pod. So we'll go ahead. We'll get into that for you guys. With all that wrapped up and out of the way, you guys know where to find Mackenzie and I on Twitter at sleepyj underscore pregame at Mac and Rivers. Make sure you guys go to pregame.com. Use that code ALLSTAR20 if you want to hear our voices again. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for the NBA All-Star Game. Enjoy the games. Thank <laughs> you.